Um, so, yeah, I'm preaching this morning, by the way, if you didn't know. Um, Sean didn't. I stole the mic before Sean got a chance. I just got excited. So, <laughs> so, one of, so last week, if you weren't here, last week I spoke about, about choosing Jesus and, and the, the position to, to choose what he has for us in the aspect of our life. So as we walk paths, often we're given a fork in the road and we get to make the decision. Um, Bill Johnson highlights it as that there's a tree in every aspect of our life, a, a, a tree that we shouldn't pick from or a, a decision that we shouldn't make. So I spoke around the fact that we have a choice and the, and the choice that we have um, is Jesus. And beyond that, I've been talking about, before that I've been talking about who Jesus is, the, the very aspects of him. So I've spoken about Jesus as the son of man. I've spoken about um, Jesus as the last Adam and we've spoken about Jesus as the cornerstone. So we've been really highlighting who he is, that the the, the very rock in which we build this, this whole church on. Um, and I want, to, I want to take some time this morning to talk about um, what he did, who he was and, and, and what he did. I want to talk about Jesus the servant. I want to talk about how he came in a place to serve where we didn't deserve a servant in that place. So I want to just, I want to break that down a little bit. And then next week, we're going to hear about Jesus as the saviour and how he, he came to save. So if you have friends that have no idea who Jesus is, that's going to be a cracking um, sermon to listen to. I'm not doing it, so it will be cracking, I promise. It's going to be amazing. So bring your friends. If you've got any friends that don't know who Christ is, or if you don't know who Christ is, then come. That's going to be awesome. All right, there was a, um, in, my, in my research, I was looking through um, trying to understand this, this um, servant um, aspect that Jesus portrays in the Bible, and I came across a man by the name of Robert Greenleaf. When you search servant leadership on Google, funnily enough, that's a good Google search, it comes up with a man by the name of Robert Greenleaf, in, who in 1970 coined the term servant leadership, and it was a, it's a business model. So they use servant leadership in a lot of um, massive businesses. You'll see things like Google, um, Apple use this servant leadership model. And I started, I started wondering, actually, you didn't come up with that term. That's a term that's been around for thousands of years before he came up with it, but he is known, he has a lot of books about, um, about servant leadership, and I'm, I'm not saying that his, his books are wrong or bad, they're, they're amazing, they're actually incredible. The nine key attributes that he highlights in servant leadership are listening, self-awareness, foresight, empathy, persuasion, stewardship, healing, conceptualization, and building community. When I read those, I sat back in my chair and went, oh my goodness, you've just renamed all the, the facets that Jesus came when he came to build. He created a, a leadership model based on the most incredible, perfect leadership model we had ever seen. So I, I, I'm not tearing the, the man apart. I think it's incredible because the, the servant leadership models in businesses is working. Of course it's working because it it's from the perfect model, you know, but... They, the, the world, and I'm sure it'll be touched on next week, the world uses things that they see that they know are right and they change the view of it because they don't want to have to accept that God created it. But the very crux of some of these most incredible business ideas that have made people billions of dollars come back to Jesus in the Bible. So if you have um, a Bible with you, can you go with me to John 13, please? It is in the New Testament if you're lost. Okay, so I'm going to read through this verse and I'm, and I'm going to stop and, and 
chuck little bits of information in as we go along. So bear with me. So from verse 1, John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own Son who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So I just want to stop there for a moment. Firstly, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him because God had already showed him the supper. So Jesus was willing to wash Judas' feet knowing that he was going to betray him, which was going to be the, the, the biggest betrayal. He knew it was going to happen. Still, he was going to wash his feet. Just a side note. You have to understand that, the, that in, in this time, when they washed feet, it wasn't a ceremonial thing. It wasn't something that they did just for the sake of it. The reason that they washed feet in that time before supper was because in um, Palestine, it was dirty. It was filthy. And they all wore sandals, so they had open toes. So their feet were gross. They were walk- there was no sewage systems. They rode animals, so there was poop everywhere. And there was dust and dirt everywhere. So their feet were dirty. So before they would eat dinner, they would wash their feet. <clears throat> he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you would understand. Jesus does the act, then he explains what he's doing. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and head. So he says, don't wash my feet. No, I need to wash your feet. Okay, then wash all of me. If I'm going to get a little bit, give it all. I'll have all of it. Don't just give me a little bit while we're here. Jesus then explains, The one who bathes does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew he was to, who, sorry, for he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, Not all of you are clean. So, Jesus alludes in this verse to the fact that he's saying that just because your feet are dirty does not mean that you need to be washed again. Some, Theologians argue that Jesus is talking about salvation in this, in this verse, that you don't need to be saved again because you've stuffed up. It fits and it makes sense. I don't know that's exactly what he was talking about, but, but it doesn't matter anyway. What, what, what they will say is that once you're saved, you don't need to be saved again. You need to change your mind, re, re, revalue your thinking, renew your thinking. Thank you. But we don't need to be saved again doesn't matter whether he's saying either or, but, but what Jesus is saying here is that you're already clean, but I want to wash your feet. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you not understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher. Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you, should all, that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
If you know these things, blessed you are if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know who I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate at my bread has lifted my heel against me. I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The incredible thing about this verse is that in, in their culture, the one who would wash the feet was the servant. If the household had no servant, then the next person who was in line to wash the feet was the lowest of the guests, so that the most unimportant guest. So the, that one mate that you've got. <laughs> that guy you've invited just because. Um, the lowest of the guests, the, the nobody. And it fascinates me that they sit at this table that nobody washes their feet, nobody questions. They're all so fascinated to hear what Jesus has to say at the supper and then all of a sudden he gets up to wash their feet. No wonder Simon Peter says no, because I know who you are. You're the Lord, you're the, 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 the God, the Messiah. And you want to wash my feet? That's a servant's job. If not a servant's job, my job. But Lord says, no, you don't understand what I'm going to do. That I come as the Lord who I am, but I'm going to wash your feet. Why? You see, when we begin to understand the love that Christ has, that he poured out for the church, we begin to understand the fact that he did everything for the church because he loved them. That he said, I am the Lord your God, but I will serve you. That is the most fascinating thing that I can, I can wrap my head around. You know, there was a, um, there was an actor, I can't remember his name, um, Stephen Fry, I think, who is an, an atheist, and he was arguing the fact that what a terrible thing that the Almighty God has to die for his people, that he can't just swoop in and save them. And he was talking about the fact how to him that shows God's weakness. I was sitting there listening to him talk about this crying, thinking that doesn't show weakness to me, that shows absolute unadulterated love. That he, not only did he come as man to die for us, but also that he would come in a place of a servant, born small in a manger to reach those of us that were small, to come broken and, and, and as a servant so that those who were nobody were also served. You know, there's a, when we begin to, to really understand what this verse is saying, when we begin to understand that, that that Jesus was the great rabbi, the great teacher, and yet he came in and washed the feet. And I've heard this sermon preached a number of times in, in regards to get people to, to serve more in a greater capacity in the church. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think that, that the view of, this, of that verse then is too small. This is not just about how we serve in, in, a, in a local house, but it's about how we serve in every aspect of our life. And I know that I'm, I'm, I'm harping on about every aspect of our life in every preach and every time someone gets the mic, but that's what the church is called to be. We're not called to be just in this room. It's too small. We're not called just to be in this city because it's too small. There's, there is a, a bigger call that we have that God's given us that we need to begin to step into, but it starts with the small. It starts washing the feet of, of your neighbor. <laughs> that's weird. 
But it does. It starts with the, it, it starts with the serving the very small things that you don't want to have to do. The conversation with that person that you don't really want to have. And this isn't a, a condemnation thing. This should be an exciting spurring up. You know, there's quite a few guys that messaged me um, and it was really encouraging to say that they were challenged by last week's message. And I want to challenge you again on that. And I want to say, what did you do with it? Because we can hear sermon after sermon after sermon, but we've got to start to change, you know. We've got to start to get excited and get, get riled up. Okay, I'm going to make something happen here. That when we see an opportunity to, to bend down and wash somebody's feet, I'm going to do that. Whatever that looks like. Whatever that, that situation is where we go, Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to love this person like you love me. You know, the Bible gives us a, an example to love God and then love people. And that love is unconditional. That love doesn't have a condition on it that says, I'll love that guy if he's kind of the same as me, or I'll, you know, I'll do that thing if I, if I have the means to. But to stretch out and actually bend down and wash the feet of, of, of those that are around us. Go with me to, to Mark 10.42. And then when the ten heard it, they began to be ignorant at James and John. And Jesus called, called to them and he said to them, You know that those who are, are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the, the thing that I love about this verse is that Jesus uses the term servant as a synonym for greatness. He talks about the fact that the servant is the greatest of all. You know, that there's times where we look at ourselves and we go, this is not who I, who I was meant to be. I was supposed to be a, a superstar. You know, I was supposed to be, be the man. But Jesus talks about in this verse that those of us that serve, that go in with a heart willing to serve, are the greatest. And I just think it's so, it's so incredible because he takes, when we think that we're too good to serve, Jesus goes, but I came as a servant. You know, when we... When we match ourselves up about the fact of, no, God, I've, I've been in this church for five years now and um, I'm past serving now, so I should be a preacher. Jesus goes, but I came as a servant. Are you not good enough to come as a servant? And I, I know that's, <laughs> I know that that is, is, it's like I'm cracking the whip, but I'm, this challenges me. Because there's so many areas of our life that we can serve. You know, that person that needs a mum and you don't have the time or that person that, that needs a friend and you, that's the easiest place for us to serve, to step in. But we're looking for, for service in a manner that we've created in the church where it has to be in, in some regards for, you have to be on, on some certain level. Yeah, I've been here for X amount of time, therefore I should be at this place on the spectrum. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And you know, when we begin to understand the fact that that was ludicrous to them, it's hard for us to understand how, how crazy that is, but to them that was the, the biggest dishonor that, that they could offer to him. And Jesus said, I'm washing your feet. 
And you know, there's times where we, where we stretch out to serve someone and someone goes, no, no, thank you. I don't need it. And then we go, okay, cool. But that's what Simon did. He said to Jesus, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, I'm washing your feet. You see, the, we're taught in a society to do the best on our own. I spoke in my testimony last week that there's a, I didn't want help because I wanted to do it on my own. And God said, I'm sending you help. <laughs> you see, we, we get caught up in this humble, I, I'm not going to serve in that area because, no, God has given you that gift to go and be the light in that place. So go and do that. You know, there's such a, a, a need for, for the church to come alive and serve people in a place where the, the darkness is, is winning. You know, I looked at, I was listening to a, a guy um, talk about, it was a preacher from somewhere, and he was talking about the fact that, that darkness will never push away the light regardless of how dark the room is. But you have to actually take the light into the room. You know, we stand on the outside with our, with our lamp going, nope, it's too dark in there. But we've got the lamp in our hand. You know, there's a, there's a reality where we actually have to open the door and walk in there with our lamp and go, oh, okay, cool, here we are. So often we have guys in the church that go, oh, this thing doesn't work. Okay, well, it probably needs your hands to make it work. The element missing are your hands. You know, or your job place, or this there's just no love in this place. Well, you're there to be the love. I, I'm I'm being a little bit um I don't know what the word is, um pain in the bum. <laughs> but I want us to get ruffled, I want us to get excited in this. You know, the 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 guys that are uh, are leading this church aren't the only people who are going to make this thing work because the church isn't just here. We have a, a, a job to do in this building and to help equip the church. But all of us are the church out there. All of us are that light that gets turned on. All of us have the basin of water in our hands to go, I'll wash your feet. And you know what? I'm going to be excited when I do it. There was a, I went on a missions trip and my dad was with us and um, we were in Malaysia and we were at this um, tiny church in Malaysia. But every night we'd go out for dinner. There was about 25 of us. And every night we'd go out for dinner, everyone would buy whatever they wanted. It was just get what you want because it was relatively cheap. But there, there was this thing where someone would always sneak away mid-meal and pay for the whole table. So you look, it was about $200 Australian every time we went out all of us went out for dinner. And I remember my dad was getting so frustrated because he was so slow. He could never get to the, tape, the thing first. right? So he could never, ever pay. And old P-Rad, mate, he hated it. And he was starting to get a bit frustrated. And he went to the guy who was leading the mission trip and he said, this has got to stop. He said, this is ridiculous. He said, we, I've saved and I portioned enough money because my dad was a, he's a, everything in its row. And he said, I've, I've portioned enough money to, to pay for me and my family and I haven't paid for dinner once. And the leader of the church looked at him and said, who are you to take away that person's blessing? And dad tells that story all the time. He said, it rocked me. Because that person was, he was going to bless my dad regardless. But dad kept pushing against it. But that guy was saying, no, I'm, I'm paying for you. 
and it turned into this fun game for the rest of the trip, and it was a, it was really fun. But, but, why did I tell that story? <laughs> but you know the 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 joy that that my dad came into then when he realised actually no you know God's is pouring out me he's blessing me you know people are serving me that that that's the way we need to be in every aspect as we go in we go man I'm going to pay for this guy's dinner and it's awkward for me it is awkward I I find it terribly awkward when someone pays for my dinner because I go oh. I should have paid for that. But that's Jesus saying, no, I'm going to wash your feet. You know, when we get in that place and we say, I'm going to pay for your dinner. You know, Ben, I'm going to, I'm going to come to your house where you, where you need someone to chat with. I'm going to sit and chat with you. Why? Because I love you. When we get to a place where we go beyond ourselves and serve others, things begin to change. You know, the church starts to, people start to look in at the church and go, who are these people? Who, who is this, this guy who just paid for my groceries out of the blue? What's the, what's the guy with long hair with dreadlocks? Um, Todd White. Todd White. Jesus. He doesn't have dreadlocks. Todd White. If you've ever seen anything of Todd White, he has some incredible stuff. But he, he lives on the, on the premise of, I'm going to serve every person that I come in contact with. And it comes, it comes out of a, a natural position because he just genuinely loves his father and he knows that his father loves the people. So he loves them. And I, I, I watched that guy and some of the stories he told him, like, man, I would never do that. But one day I hope that I can. You know, I get to a place where I understand the fact that when I go out and wash someone's feet, it is pouring the love of Jesus out on them. That when we become the light, they start to see the father. I talked about it last week. Mike talked about it about the week before, but I can see Jesus in your eyes. You know, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something about you that's different. That's the most humbling, com- or the humbling comment you can get, that when your life is, is so wrapped up in Christ, it just oozes out of you. Go with me to, I'm going to finish on this. I know it's short, but I, I just want us to have time to, to continue to talk to one another and and testify and, exp- and, and talk about how good God is. But just go with me to quickly to Philippians 2.1. Philippians 2.1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of one another. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he, who thought he was in the form of God, sorry, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death and even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Just go back to 2.6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 
being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. That Jesus gave everything and came to serve us, his people, out of of pure, unadulterated love. That he gave himself up so much so that he... He drank the cup of our transgressions, of everything, that, every filthy thing that we have in this earth, he drank and took upon himself. That is the, uh, the epitome of humility, the very pinnacle of what we are to be, the humble, I will give myself for you because I love you. And, and I know what you're thinking, this is a massive task. I'm not saying that this is simple, just do it tomorrow. But when we can start to change our mind and get into a position where we're thinking constantly, okay, How do I humbly wash this person's feet? How do I become who Jesus became in order to love me? Because when we can start to do that, people will start to change. The church will start to take a powerful effect. You know, a lot of the the prophets around the world are talking about reformation, about the church reforming, reforming into what Christ has for it. We do that simply by changing who we are, by going, I'm going to wash the feet. That the greatest example, that Jesus came as the greatest example for us to understand this. You want to know how to do it? Go and read about Jesus. Spend time understanding who he was, what he did, how he did it, why he did what he did. The fact that he broke cultural barriers in order to express love. We see that with with the the woman at the well and, and the woman who was caught in adultery and they wanted him to stone her. He broke cultural barriers in order to to bring love. He broke down the society norms in order to bring love. And it radically changed the people. So when we look at reformation, when we look at reforming the church, rebuilding the church back into what Christ has for it, we have to begin to understand, okay, Christ, what did you do? Okay, you expressed love. You washed people's feet. You served in a manner that was greater than people could ever understand. Guys, when we begin to understand this, spend time focusing on this, Jesus, reveal to me who you are. Reveal and asking that question, show me what you want me to be. Show me what my hands can do. Because there are so many unlocked, untapped gifts and talents in this house let alone houses all over the world, that God is going, son, I've given you a gift, daughter, I have something for you, but you won't let me show you what it is. When we begin to understand that and unlock those things that Christ has for us, my goodness, this church will change. Can you imagine, can you imagine just one-tenth of the churches that are on the Gold Coast? That's a lot of churches, just one-tenth. All unlocked. People in there on fire, seeing who Christ is, understanding that servant nature, understanding who they are. Later on down the track, we're going to talk about gifts and, and, and how they operate and what they look like. But this can start now. God, show me, and he'll show you a promise. But when we, become, when we come with a heart that says, I want this, Jesus, I want to know what you have for me, man, we will change the city. Why don't you just stand? We're just going to pray and then. I hope that I haven't, I hope I've made you uncomfortable because we'll change when we're uncomfortable.
but I wasn't, I'm not saying this from a place of I've got this covered. This is something that I'm being challenged in as well. You know, it's when a, when a, someone stands up here and, and, and preaches, they have to write these things first, you know. That they sit there and go, oh, I haven't seen that in a while. Or I haven't seen that before. You know, this isn't us saying we're better than you. It's us going, flop, we've just gone through this. And now we want to challenge everybody else. But we're all in the same, let's, let's do this thing together. Because I, I, it, it really burns inside me that when this church, this church, this house and other houses come alive, man, this city is going to change. I know a lot of people say that, but let's put hands to it. We can say it till we're blue in the face, but when our hands go to it, and it's the hands that God's given, man, we'll change this place. So, Father, I thank you, God. Lord, we just praise your name, Father, and we honor you in this place. Father, the very reason that we gather here, Lord, is to praise your beautiful name. That you are our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end, Father. God, that everything that we do, Lord, everything that we are is because of you. We just thank you, Lord. We praise your name, Lord. God, I pray that you've set hearts on fire here this morning. That, Holy Spirit, you're just revealing who you are right now. Unlocking those chests that have been locked up for so long, Father. Breaking those chains, Lord God, to reveal who you are to every heart that's here this morning, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that anything that I said that wasn't of you, you make it for right now. But God, the things that you wanted to say, that they burn in hearts. That people are so challenged, Father, they go out and do what you want them to do, Lord. Just excite a people here this morning, Lord. And God, we pray for this city, Father, and this nation, Lord. God, that this becomes your city, Father. That the Gold Coast, Father, becomes the city of God. The Bethel, the house of the Father. We just declare that right now in your name, Jesus. That a people, a generation rise up, Father. And begin to do your work, a good work, Lord. Just thank you, Father. Jesus, in your wonderful name we pray. Amen.